0: The neon lights of Tokyo, intricate Kaminos, Nintendo, anime, and the breathtaking sight of Mount Fuji. These are just some of the amazing things we associate with Japan. But the country is also famous for its idiosyncratic justice system, where until recently, there was a strict statute of limitations on its most dark and disturbing crimes. But just before we dive into these mysteries, I want to share with you a YouTube channel created by our writer, Amanda, that also focuses on true crime called Little Jane Doe. Amanda has written almost every video we've done over the last year. She is an invaluable part of this channel, as well as an incredible true crime researcher and communicator. If you like Cold Case Detective and want to see what the team are getting up to, check out Little Jane Doe for more true crime content. There's a link to that channel down below. And now on to the video as we explore two barbaric cold cases from Japan. Mm. the vending machine murders. April 30th, 1985 was a seemingly ordinary day in Fukuyama, Hiroshima. An unnamed 45-year-old truck driver in the city found himself thirsty, so he went to a nearby vending machine for a drink. As his beverage was being dispensed, however, he noticed a bottle of Orinomin C sitting atop the machine. Orinomin C was a health drink created by the Otsuka Pharmaceutical Company. And in 1985, the beverage was being offered as part of a deal. A bottle of Orinomin C was dispensed for free alongside any other drink that was bought. At this time, it was also common for those who didn't want their drink to leave it on top of a vending machine, for those who couldn't afford to buy their own. So for many people in Japan, they thought nothing of taking a bottle that was lying at the machine. So the truck driver took the bottle of Orinomin C as well as the one that he had paid for. However, this one simple action would soon prove to be fatal. It wasn't long before he started to feel ill. And one month later on May 30th, he died. An analysis of the 45 year old's vomit showed that he had ingested a poison named Paraquat, a deadly weed killer that has been banned in over 30 countries. The substance is so highly toxic that its effects are often irreversible, even to those who have ingested very small amounts. Death by Paraquat is agonizing, as it causes rapid inflammation of the tissue surrounding major blood vessels and airways, and is even capable of burning holes through the throat of those who have ingested it. Although in this specific case, death did not occur for an entire month, The toxin, more often than not, kills within days. The 45-year-old truck driver was just the first in a long and gruesome string of fatal poisonings, which took place in eight different prefectures in Japan between April 30th and November 17th of 1985. It was another four months after the truck driver passed before the next victim was slain. On September 11th in Osaka, a 52-year-old man passed away from a tainted bottle of Oranomen C that he found inside the dispensing slot of a vending machine. He died just three days later. The next execution was different, as this time a 22-year-old university student was poisoned by a different toxin named Daikwat. After purchasing a real gold energy drink from a vending machine and finding another bottle of the same drink already in the dispensing slot but the next three killings afterwards lined up with the original. Another five people were slain by poisoned vending machine drinks over the following two months, each victim between the ages of 30 and 69 years old, all of them men. The final victim in the case, which has been dubbed the vending machine murders, was a 17-year-old schoolgirl from Kodama, Saitama, who found a poisoned cola bottle in a dispensing slot. She passed away one week later. According to the New York Times, 35 people were also injured during the time the murderer was active as a result of poisoning. Startled by what was happening, the Japan Soft Drink Bottlers Association issued 1.3 million warning labels, which were stuck onto vending machines shortly after the poisoning cases started. The Otsuka Pharmaceutical Company also decided to redesign their bottles, switching from a screw cap to a pull tab in an effort to prevent any tampering. However, other drink manufacturers did not share the desire to change their products. The Japan Soft Drink Bottlers Association said, if only customers were more cautious, they would have seen that some tampering had been done. Rather than bear any financial burden in redesigning their products to make them safer, they placed the blame on the victims of the poisoning who they said were not being careful enough. Despite their reluctance to change, soft drink companies noted that their sales did not decline while the case was ongoing nor in its aftermath and no other company went out of their way to create tamper-proof bottles either. Some even stated their belief that not all the victims had succumbed to an unidentified serial killer but had taken their own lives. In 1984, there were reportedly 1,402 suicide attempts by the use of paraquat in Japan. The toxin was readily available over the counter. Although the police force in the country realized they had a killer on their hands, very little is known about the investigation that came afterwards, other than that investigators did not get very far searching for clues. There was no CCTV available in the vending machine areas, nor was there any witnesses to any shady behavior. We must also remember that forensic DNA technology was still in its infancy in the 1980s and thus offered very little in finding the killer. Investigators were also very distracted by the monster with 21 faces, whose activity began around the same time as the vending machine murders. The extortion group sent their first letter on May 10, 1984 to the Glico company, and they continued to send threatening letters to various food companies and news agencies throughout the next year. Their letters included allegations that they had left food items laced with cyanide in several locations. While there are a few theories about the person responsible for the vending machine murders, the monster with 21 Faces involvement has been speculated because the group also spoke of poisoning perishables. It's even been postulated that the murders were inspired by them, but this has mostly been dismissed as a possibility because the serial Slayer did not publicly make demands or threats unlike the group. The monster with 21 faces also noted that they had better things to do than torment food companies and ultimately stopped sending letters in 1985. Another theory in the case was proposed by Japanese psychologists who believe the executions are the work of a yukai-han. A yukai-han is a name given to criminals who seek thrills, who cynically enjoy superiority by imagining the victims groaning and do not feel any remorse. It's hypothesized that one or more people were active in the case, and they would have all been individuals that take pleasure in picturing the suffering of their victims. This would also explain why somebody would use such a torturous and painful poison. Online sleuths have a multitude of ideas about this case, with many wondering how exactly almost all of the targets ended up being older males. This is possibly because Zorinomin C was a popular drink released in 1965, and in 1985 was favored largely by older generations, while the younger generations preferred sweeter beverages. It's also possible that men preferred the taste of the drink, or that perhaps they just happened to be tall enough to see the drinks left on top of the vending machines, although this would not account for those left in the dispensing slot. Another explanation is that women might have been much warier of taking drinks off the street or from strangers. There are also reports that the vending machines were in sketchier areas of the city, prompting many to wonder if perhaps women were too afraid to or were not interested in visiting those particular machines. However, this is all conjecture and nothing is for certain. Then in December of 1985, reports of copycat crimes began to litter the newspapers. Twice in the space of two weeks, an unidentified perpetrator left tainted milk containers in schools in the Mie Prefecture of central Japan. Another two incidents then occurred in Tokyo when lime sulfur was put into drinks. Neither of these copycats have ever been apprehended. The statute of limitations on the vending machine murders has since expired, making it likely we'll never know who was behind these bizarre and brutal attacks. The case is now closed and seemingly destined to remain forever unsolved. Akio Kashiwagi. Akio Kashiwagi was a wealthy, Tokyo-based real estate investor who was known mostly for two things, the bullying tactics he used when dealing with the locals and his intense gambling addiction. He was known for wagering large amounts of money in Australia and Europe, as well as in Las Vegas and Atlantic City in the United States. However, Akio was not always an excessively wealthy and successful businessman. Not much is known about his early life, but it is believed he was a middle child from a family of 10, He reportedly dropped out of high school, but later lied on his resume and claimed that he had graduated. After finishing junior high, he worked as a farmhand. His father was a popular and skilled carpenter who specialized in temples and shrines. Akio started his ascent into wealth in his late teens and began as a legitimate businessman. Soon, however, he established a money-lending business that earned him a reputation as a shady and seedy individual. He often disappeared on due dates so that he couldn't be repaid. And after trapping his victim in arrears, he would take their property. From this point on, Akio turned into the kind of businessman that harassed and bullied to get his way. At one point, Akio took over a nursery when the owner couldn't repay their loan. Akio evicted the children, bulldozed the building, and built a block of apartments on the property. He was also well-known for causing great distress to the people whose property he wished to buy. For many people, it was easier and less stressful to let him have his way, rather than to stay and fight. Akio lived an extremely lavish life, He was the owner of a Rolls-Royce and a Jaguar, among other luxury vehicles, and his house contained stashes of diamonds that were worth in excess of $350,000 per piece. He was a collector of extortionately expensive rare art that he would sometimes lend to museums for display, but his home was his most extravagant expense. Dubbed the Kashiwagi Castle, it was enclosed with high concrete walls, and cost $38 million to build. However, despite his huge wealth, Akio was seen by friends as a traditional man. During his day-to-day life, he favored using his Nissan over his luxury vehicles. He enjoyed samurai dramas. He wore a kimono during New Year, and he had every room bar the kitchen furnished with tatami mats and traditional Japanese furniture. He shunned jewelry and never even wore cufflinks The only Western interest he had was Baccarat. It is unclear when Akio's gambling habits began, but what we know for certain is that he frequently bets $200,000 a hand at the baccarat table in Atlantic City, sometimes gambling for 80 hours at a time. It was a well-known fact that he carried as much as $1.5 million in cash when he embarked on trips across the world. Akio was known as a whale, a member of a super elite class of international gamblers with casino credit lines of more than $1 million. Donald Trump, among others, impressed and pleased him with penthouse suites and first-class air tickets, and the two even gambled together. However, in a matter of months, things began to crumble beneath Akio's feet. On January 3rd, 1992, the 54-year-old's family headed out to pick strawberries, When they returned, they found a gruesome scene in the kitchen. The walls were spattered with blood and Akio was dead. He had been stabbed 20 times with what is believed to be a samurai sword. Very quickly, robbery was ruled out as a motive. His antiques, expensive cars, jewels, and $770,000 in cash were all still in the house. Akio always kept his door locked and was described as a nervous man, but there was no sign of forced entry, suggesting to investigators that he had let his killer in. With his passing, Akio left behind his wife and three children, as well as around $19 million in debt. The crime occurred shortly after the 54-year-old told his European creditors that he couldn't come up with the $10 million he owed them leading to media speculation that a hit had been ordered so an example could be made of him. It's also been theorized that perhaps the Yakuza were involved and had sought to make an example of him also. Like the previous case, little is known about the investigation into Akio's demise. At one point, a 44-year-old man called Kodo Saiki, who was a local gangster and known associate of Akio's eldest son, was arrested and charged with the murder. A 23-year-old nurse was also arrested and charged with helping Kodo conceal the evidence. However, nothing seems to have come from these detainments and the pair have been released. Akio's eldest son was also known to associate with unsavory characters. He would often lift jewelry and antiques from his father's home to sell for cash and was once given $150,000 to start a business, which he subsequently squandered. It has been known that his eldest son was estranged from Akio following a strict upbringing, something that Akio was alleged to have regretted in later life. It is unknown if this son was involved with the crime. Despite its incredibly high profile, the case of Akio Kishiwagi continues to go unsolved. And there you have the facts. Please leave a comment down below with your own theories and speculations, and remember to like this video and subscribe to support the channel. Thank you for watching. Stay alert, stay safe, and I'll see you next time.